podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Mitz. Tonight we are recapping a very disappointing game against Iowa State and the very disappointing news that we got um, after that. So I wasn't able to to get connected with Fetch for the, tonight's episode, so I am going to go ahead and be doing this one solo. Uh, a little bit of a different uh, feel, I think, to this one just because I'm not used to doing these on my own, but... Um, definitely want to get you guys an, an episode out, especially after the news broke about Doak. Um, but, you know, I, I wanted to make sure we got that in before the TCU game. We will be back later in the week with our normal TCU episode. Um, or, I'm sorry, we will, uh, with our TCU recap, uh, the normal episode that we'll have Thursday or Friday for you uh, before the game against Baylor on Saturday. So uh, we will we will definitely be getting back to you with our on our normal schedule as soon as possible, but um, obviously the two very bad things that happened over the weekend. Uh, we had actually it was a, a a triple dose of bad news. If you start with the women's basketball team, they they went down to the Iowa State Cyclones at Allen Fieldhouse. Um, Iowa State was ranked number twenty five, but KU got down early, um, was down by twenty one at one point. Was able to come storming back, get within, get it back to single digits, but ultimately was not able to to, to come all the way back on that one. And then, um, unfortunately, just before the game, uh, we we received the news that Doak was going to be out for that game. He injured his wrist in in practice on Friday. They didn't expect at the time it was going to be anything too serious. Um, and so, you know, with that news, we we assumed that it was going to be a difficult game anyway against Iowa State. And it was made even more difficult by the fact that we did not have Yudoka Azubuke. Um, we'll go ahead and jump right into the recap from that game. Uh, I mean, there's not a lot of positives to take away from this game. There were a few a few guys that I did want to talk about. Obviously, uh, the leading scorer and the best positive to come out of this game was Quentin Grimes. He's continued to improve in the last couple weeks here. He scored 19 points. Uh, played 31 minutes. He was four of eight from two, three of six from three. So, um, so he shot 50 percent of the night across all of his shots. He had f- six total rebounds, two assists, two turnovers, and a steal. Um, by far, Quentin Grimes was the best player of the night um, for for Kansas. Dijak Lawson obviously played big minutes. He played 32 minutes, but uh, you know he only scored 13 points. His shot seemed to be off. Most of the night, he was five of ten from twos, misses only three point shot. Again, he was a beast on the inside uh, for for rebounding. He re- got twelve rebounds, but he did have six turnovers. The only person who was worse was LeGerald Vick, uh, who had seven turnovers. So it was a very very uneven night from Dietrich Lawson. Um, not a lot to talk about there, just in terms of. I mean, he's he's obviously still the most talented player on this team, um, but he is turned in some consistently poor performances, I think. I don't know if that's people are trying to key in on him and he hasn't been getting much help down low. 
um, or if he just hasn't found a way yet to get himself comfortable again in the offense. Um, the only saving grace, obviously, like I said before, that we had is that Quentin Grimes is has been doing a whole lot better uh, in the last few games. He finally seems to be figuring it out. Um, and so moving on, he's probably our best hope at improvement for this team, our best chance for us to go ahead and and, imp- and be able to compete for the Big 12 title. You know, I, I had mocked some people online right after the loss to Iowa State before the news broke about, you know, Cos Bouquet, um, you know, that we, we got our early loss in the Big 12 race. And, you know, we're going to have the, oh, Kansas is in real trouble of losing the Big 12 um, you know, those takes are coming really, really soon. And I even gone as far as to, I went ahead and started a thread on Twitter, um, cause I was going to post all of the articles that were talking about that, you know, and the, ooh, the, the sky is falling. Kansas is going to lose the big 12 title this year and all that stuff. Um, but there wasn't really too many of those this time. And, you know, the only one I saw, um, was the article by CJ Moore over at the athletic, which, you know, kind of had a little bit of that tone, but wasn't really over the top with it like I was expecting. Um, and then there was a very reasoned take from Gary Parrish over on CBS Sports, and I actually tweeted about that. Um, you know, it, it, it basically had everything that I wanted to say about this game in it. It was that Kansas looked absolutely horrible. Kind of to be expected, given the fact that Yudoka Azubuki was out unexpectedly so close to the game. But he looked, I mean, they looked really, really bad. Um, but it was also just one game. Like you, you expect them to have an off night like this every once in a while, and and they ran into a buzzsaw in Iowa State. Iowa State played probably the best game that they're going to play all year long. Um, you know, just looking at the numbers here, they shot over, they shot fifty two percent from three point range. That's not something that they're likely to repeat throughout the rest of the year. Um, you know, they they turned it over twelve times. So, I mean, didn't do fantastic from that, but, uh, but you know, I mean, they, they still, you know, uh, Kansas turned it over 24. So Kansas had an uncharacteristically bad turnover um, performance there, and Iowa State was able to take advantage. I mean, that's literally what it comes down to. So what this game did tell us is obviously Iowa State is talented enough that, that they could win the Big 12 if Kansas falters. But what it does not tell us is that Kansas – is in a lot of trouble that they're definitely not going to win the Big 12. Um, I said it on Twitter, and I'll say it again here. This team, even without Yudo Kazubuke, is talented enough that they can win the Big 12. There is just now, there is no room for error. There's no margin for error. Um, you know, they have to start playing a lot better, a lot quicker. And lucky for them, they have a stretch coming up that while it won't be easy by any stretch of the imagination, it's not nearly as hard as it could have been. Um, you know, they have TCU coming up next, which TCU is a solid team, but not an unbeatable team. And it's going to be an outfield house going on the road to Baylor. Again, Baylor's look decent at times, but you know, they're, they're probably that lower tier of the big 12 this year. I mean, it's not like they're a surprise team that has been jumping up and it's, you know, it's going to, it's going to compete. Um, I mean, I, I don't realistically see them competing for the big 12 title this year. So I'm not, I'm not really that worried about them. Um, it's still, you know, something you have to be concerned about, obviously, but you know, they're ranked, they're ranked 58 at Ken Palm. Um, Kansas should be expected to win that one, even on the road. Texas has been decent, but they've been really up and down. They have some really good wins, but they have some really puzzling losses as well. Uh, and that, that one's going to be at home. Then they go on the road to West Virginia, which that's going to be a tough one. But then again, West Virginia 
honestly has probably been the most disappointing team in the Big 12 this year with some of the big losses that they've had. Um, and so, you know, they're ranked 57, just one above Baylor in, in Ken Palm. So I'm not, again, I'm not really that concerned about this next upcoming slate. Might they lose one here? Possibly, if they have another bad night. Um, are they going to lose more than one? I would definitely bet against it at this point. Like, I mean, yeah, sure, it's possible, but uh, I really just don't see it happening. They are more likely to win all four of them by a comfortable margin than they are to drop two of these games. And so I'm not really concerned coming into the stretch, um, at least not yet. Like, they have time to get it figured out. They have time to get everybody to gel together. If Quentin Grimes continues on the trajectory that he's going, then this team will be better just because finally we'll have a guy that can actually go ahead and shoot. Um, it'll take a little bit of pressure off Vic. Hopefully Vic won't press nearly as much. He won't be as prone to turnovers. Vic is really good when he can be in the flow of the offense and the offense is coming to him and he can shoot comfortably. He has been forcing it a lot in these games. And I think a lot of that has been just the fact that with Doak out and Lawson not having a good game, he feels like he has to push it. He has to be the guy to create the offense. And it's not allowing him the opportunity to do it on a pace that's good for him that he can normally do. So getting a guy like Grimes to break out here, to really start to push it, will allow Vic to step back into that role. I said it last year uh, when when you know Vic came on really strong at the beginning of the year because they needed someone to do that. And then when Malik Newman started picking it up, Vic took naturally took a step back um, a little bit too far. But he took a step back and allowed Newman to flourish. And then he never got going back again because they really didn't need him to. I think this year we're kind of seeing the opposite where he got off to a really hot start. And then when he started to dial it back as other people you know, should have been able to pick up the slack, there's nobody there. So he immediately flipped the switch and tried to push too hard to go ahead and get it done. And it hasn't worked. Uh, he's playing outside of himself. He's really, really not set up, I think, to play the hero ball, and yet he's felt like he's had to because, one, he's the sen- he's the only senior in this roster, um, but also just, you know, no one else has stepped up to take on that, that role. Dedrick Lawson, as important as he is to this team, has not honestly played like its best player um, in terms of the scoring and, and keeping the offense moving. He's done pretty good at getting rebounds, but he hasn't really facilitated the offense too much. Most of his damage has been on the defensive end. Um, you know, he's still getting scoring in double figures, but that's just because they dump it into him so often that he's able to, you know, he's, he's actually able to do something, but his, 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 his offensive rating in that last game was 77, which is very, very bad. It's not, I mean, especially for how many possessions he actually takes up. And so, so basically what we've seen is off nights the last few times by Diedrich Lawson and Gerald Vick, um, Devon Dotson is valiantly struggling to try to keep everything afloat. Isn't really doing too much there, unfortunately. Charlie Moore has not played very well at all. K.J. Lawson's not played very well. Um, Marcus Garrett, he's been playing phenomenally on defense, but you can't count on him for any kind of offensive help. Every time he gets the ball up out you know, beyond the arc, everybody comes off of him because they know he can't shoot it. He's had a really hard time shooting it. If he can drive in and get a good shot close to the rim, then he's got a decent shot at making it. But that's about all he can do is that. I mean, you know, really all he can do is drive. And so 
it's really easy for people to sag off of him to help. And then if he tries to drive the ball, then they can jump right back in the lane in front of him and it takes away the shot that he's trying to get. So again, I, you know, the, the main problems for this team have been on the offense with guys just not living up to the potential that they have. This team needs one more player to really get it going. Either, either Quentin Grimes, well, Quentin Grimes needs to continue because he's the only one that has been playing really well the, the last few games. Devon Dotson is still playing fairly well as that facilitator doing what he needs to do. He did have five turnovers this last game against Iowa State, but I do think a big portion of that is just, you know, the, the pressure of playing against Iowa State and not getting much help. Um, he started pushing a little too far. Um, but, you know, Vic ne- either needs to take a step back forward or Lawson needs to take a step back forward. Grimes needs to kind of stay where he's at, and Dodson needs to do the same. Um, we could definitely use another one or two players really coming on strong. I just don't know where it's going to come from at this point. Um, so final, final thoughts that I just wanted to leave you guys with about the Iowa state game is really just this. It's one game, you know, we don't want to overreact to it. Sure. It was a bad game to lose. It looked really bad when that happened, but guess what? It's only one game, you know, Kansas is one game behind Iowa state. And everyone else that's up at the top of the conference right now, but they have everybody, you know, they lost one game on the road against another top contender. That's going to happen throughout the year. People still have to come into Allen Fieldhouse and win in order to be able to take the conference title from them. You know, this is probably the worst I've felt about the chances of this team um, continuing the streak, but we already have the overall, you know, record there for the number in the streak. So um, that, that pressure's off. You obviously never want to be the team that breaks that kind of streak, but it's not a horrible thing if it actually happens. Um, you know, we, we have the, the main milestone there of getting the record. Um, and from here on out, everything else is just gravy. So uh, we all know that the streak's going to end at some point. If it's this year, it happens. Um, this was obviously a very promising season with all the depth that we've had. The problem is that not all that depth has been as good as advertised. And we've had a lot of problems. You know, DeSouza get taking that that ineligibility hit. Um, at some point, he's probably going to get cleared. But whether it's going to be, you know, in time for us, for us to work him back in, honestly don't know. He may, unfortunately, get the, uh, the same treatment that Billy Preston did and have to wait so long that he decides, well, they're not going to reinstate me. So he may end up leaving the team. I Honestly, I have no clue at this point. Everything I've heard... Seems to seems to indicate that you know that case is supposedly moving along, but I don't know how long that's going to actually take. There's no indication about when it's actually going to end. It could be, you know, it could be next week. It could be in two months. Unfortunately, there's no indication there, so we can't count on Silvio de Souza coming back at this point. Um, there's really nothing that we can do. There's no reinforcements coming. Um, the only other reinforcement that might be coming is um, Abaje. I think that's how you say his name. I, I'm honestly, I may have it completely wrong. Um, but to turn to the other news, I, I just want, did want to talk a little bit more about the Doak injury. Um, obviously, the news broke. Yudoka Azubuke, um injured his wrist in practice on Friday. It's the other wrist. It's not the one that he injured back in his freshman year. It is the, the other wrist this time, but the exact same injury. The same tendon um, essentially snapped. They had to do surgery, season-ending surgery. He's out for the rest of the year. We will not be getting him back, obviously. That's a huge blow to this team. He's been the most efficient scorer that we have 
Um, probably has made the biggest difference when he's actually in on in in the game. So it's not not really a good look for them at this point. Uh, like in terms of helping them to move forward, um, he's not going to be available. Th- this does one of two things though. This either will like I I do think that this means that Dote comes back next year. That wasn't entirely um, likely. Honestly, after this year, I think that there was enough there that that he was going to show enough. He wasn't going to be able to improve his stock coming back. Um, what this does now is show that he does have an injury problem. You know, even though all these things are kind of unrelated and it's not any of the big injuries you worry about, like with back problems or, you know, foot problems or things like that in terms of like stress fractures and feet or, or you know, problems you typically see with big men in the NBA. Um, he has now had four injuries that have made him miss time in three years. Um, two of those being season ending injuries. So while these aren't repeatable, he does kind of have that, um, you know, I guess that, that reputation now of being a guy who gets injured a lot that will probably make him fall on many draft boards. And the highest I had seen him on any of them was in the mid forties anyway. So he's going to be middle of the second round. Um, so, you know, I don't think there was a lot of necessarily too much worry, uh, I think the, the the general consensus was going to be that if he had had as good of a year as we thought he was going to have, you know, and Kansas went deep in the tournament, that he was probably going to go ahead and work his way up to maybe a lower first round pick and end up going for that kind of money. I don't think that's likely anymore. So I do think what this ultimately means is that we get Doke back for his senior season. Um, Bill Self actually put it out on Twitter in his, or I'm sorry, in, in his press conference been put out on, on Twitter by some of the reporters that were there that, that technically, and I had actually said this after the news broke, um, technically Doke could probably get a year back of eligibility on a medical red shirt just with how much he's missed. He only played, I believe he only played nine games his freshman year, only played 11 games, or I'm sorry, it was 11 games his freshman year. I think it was nine games this year. So um, in either case, he played less than the 30% minimum that you're allowed to, or ma- maximum that you're allowed to play and qualify to potentially get a medical red shirt. So that, that is an, op- an open possibility if he decides to come back after his senior year, either because the NBA draft stock isn't there or he just decides he wants to stick around for another year. Um, that That is a, a possibility now. However, it's not something that I necessarily see as likely. So um, there are a few more things I wanted to go ahead and get to, but we're going to go ahead and throw it right now for a quick break. And we'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. And we're back. So one last topic that I wanted to get to before we actually did have a couple of Twitter questions that I promised I would get to this time that we didn't get to before the Iowa State game. Um, but the last thing I wanted to talk about was the the possibility of burning the red shirt of, uh, of Ajibai. Um, I, I, I mean, I know that there's been a lot of talk and Bill Self said that he's ready to play. And actually, I'm going to go... Um, you know, I'm looking at this tweet here, and essentially what Bill Self said is they've been talking about um, burning the red shirt, making him available to play. They would have to play him enough to make that actually worth it, but that he's looked really good in practice, and he looks like he's ready to play, but obviously they won't know for sure until he actually gets into games. I, 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 I'm glad to hear that he's playing well enough in practice, um, that they would be comfortable putting him in there. The problem that I'm seeing with this is that I am not sure that that's really going to do anything for us. One, you know, he he is a perimeter type guy. He's more of like a, a hybrid perimeter frontcourt guy. He could probably play three or four, um, 
the issue that I see with that is he's not known as a really good three-point shooter. I mean, he, he might be better than some of the guys we have now, but he's not like an, an automatic um, improvement to the three-point shooting for this team. And so since that's the main deficiency that, that this team has is the outside shooting, um, you know, I just I don't see how it's a big enough impact to be worth burning the red shirt at this point. Now, honestly, if he's as good as a lot of people think he could potentially be, the red shirt itself may not be an issue. He may not stick around after his red shirt junior year anyway to be able to come back for that senior year. Um, you know, so so there's a lot that we really don't know. If Bill Self really thinks that it's going to help this team a lot, then I mean, I guess I can get behind the move, especially once we see him play a few times. My only concern is that we're going to go ahead and burn the red shirt. He's not really going to add too much. We're still going to have an early exit out of the tournament just because the, the team's depleted. The main issue that I'm seeing here is that, you know, unless we honestly think, or unless Bill Self honestly thinks that he can step in and play 20 to 30 minutes a game, it doesn't do anything for what is probably our biggest problem is, you know, we have a rotation of essentially five guys at this point. Um, Let's see, Charlie Moore played 19 minutes in this last game, but, you know, other than, I mean, the only other person that was above 10, I'm sorry, uh, no one else was above 10 other than the five starters. So Deidre Glossom played 32, Quentin Grimes played 31, Devon Dotson played 31, Marcus Garrett played 30, and LeGerald Vick played 29. So essentially we had those five guys out on the court for the vast majority of the game. Charlie Moore came in um, to spell a few guys. Dave McCormick came in. Uh, we had a very small amount of time where we had a, a, a too big lineup. But for the most part, like the five starters were the ones we were in. So if we're going to add a guy, it needs to be a guy that can help take that load off. Or we need to start giving some of these other players more minutes. K.J. Lawson had some pretty bad <laughs> missteps there. Um, you know, the one the one turnover that he had where he tried to get fancy and go behind the back and look past to a guy. And it got picked off easily by Iowa State guy in the lane. Um, that obviously looked bad, but a lot of this too, I think is that some of these guys haven't really had an opportunity to get into a rhythm. You know, KJ Lawson hasn't played very many minutes and so he hasn't had an opportunity to really get into a rhythm to really do very much. Um, you know, so I don't know that we can necessarily say that we don't have anything in those guys and adding a guy like Abaji only muddies up the waters even more. So I'm, I'm definitely myself. I'm personally leaning towards saying, leave the red shirt on him. You know, we can we can bring him on, you know, in the next three weeks if we honestly if we really need to. But there's just not enough evidence here for me to say that adding another guy to a mix is the answer at this point. Um, obviously, one guy that you will not, um, you know, you will not turn down getting out of the mix if he's world eligible would be Silvio de Souza. Like that's a problem I would definitely be able to put up with. Um, what he can bring to the team, I think, would help out a lot. But you know, there's there's no guarantee that he's going to be able to play, and I don't think that Abaji is is uh, sure enough of a thing yet to make it worth the risk of burning his red shirt and then hoping you can fit him in where you need to. So, um, but so that's that's it. There, I uh, wanted to look forward a little bit to the TCU game. I'll have a couple thoughts there, but I do just want to go ahead and we'll start real quick. Um, we do have a few questions. So the first question that we have is from, it's at Max Pitney. One of ESPN's bold takes at the beginning of the season was that Bill Self finishes off the year, then leaves for the NBA. Any actual chance of this? And my easy response is no, absolutely not. 
to go into that a little bit more, I mean, Bill Self has not shown any propensity to really want to jump to the NBA. There's only one or two jobs that he's even shown, you know, any mild interest that he might want to talk about, and that would be San Antonio um, working for the Spurs or maybe OKC just because of how close they are. But the only problem with that is, you know, I don't one, I don't think either of those jobs are going to be open at the end of the year. Uh, and so we don't really need to worry about that. But also, I mean, as we've talked about multiple times on this podcast and it's been talked about everywhere, you know, Bill Self has a really good thing going on in Kansas. If he was going to jump somewhere, it probably would have been for um, the job at Oklahoma State, which is his his alma mater. You know, he's, he said this is a career-ending location. Like, the only way that I could think see him leaving is either he wins a national title and decides that he's done everything that he needs to do here and would like to try the NBA. Um, but again, he can be really picky about where he would go with that. Or, you know, he has enough of a stretch of not-so-great results that people get... Um, very restless at thinking that he's going to need to do more and he's not able to, to get, to get it turned around. I, I don't, I don't think that's likely. We're nowhere near that at this point. I mean, he's won 14 straight conference titles for goodness sake. Um, you know, there's no indication at all that anyone in the fan base that he would pay any attention to wants him gone or is getting restless or worried about what he's able to do. Um, I think any any semi-rational KU fan, you know, is ecstatic with what he was able to do last year uh, with a very, very small roster and rotation there, get them to the Final Four. And I can understand with all of the, you know, the, the Sosa eligibility issues that have been going on with that Adidas trial nonsense and the injury issues with Doak. You know, all of this other stuff that's kind of happened that's derailed this particular season. Maybe there's some questions about, you know, what, why some of these other guys haven't really developed this year, but nothing to the point where there's going to be enough unrest in the fan base that's going to want to push him out. So to make that short answer really, really long, like there's no way that he is going to leave, especially this year, you know, unless someone just blows him away with like a $20 million a year offer, which obviously is never going to happen in the NBA um, at least not, not anytime soon. So, um, so yeah, to put it, to put it, uh, lightly, I, I don't really give any kind of credence to that bold take. I honestly, that's a, that's a clickbait type of thing and I wouldn't worry too much about it. The only other, uh, the only other question we had was from, uh, at David Conrad. He says, does KU coaching believe in altering a player's shooting motion? Once they get here, Dokin Grimes will start the shot with the ball on the wrong side of their body. Um, even on free throws. So I'm not really sure. Obviously, I don't have any inside sources in, in the KU coaching staff, so I'm not really sure what they actually teach in terms of altering shooting motions. I mean, I have noticed that there are some guys that their shooting motion does change slightly, but it's not something where, you know, it's a drastic change that definitely someone coached them on how to do it differently. I think it's natural for most players' shooting motions to kind of evolve, but if anything that I've learned, you know, even with my own kids or, um, you know, other just other people that I've worked with, you know, their shooting motions tend to get set pretty early. And a lot of time, like the shooting is all about comfort. And so drastically changing someone's shot, especially in the middle of a season, almost like 99 or 999 times out of a thousand won't make any significant improvement. In fact, it'll probably make their, their shooting worse. So I don't think that they would do anything like that in the middle of a season. They might do something over, you know, over the course of the summer, like work with him, try to 
help them develop, where they can put in a lot of reps, they can spend a lot of time kind of helping to correct an issue and installing a new um, a new shooting motion and like, you know, getting all of that ingrained into their, their, um, their brains before they actually get to another game. But they, nobody would be foolish, foolish enough to try to make big changes like that during the season. So um, in terms of trying to alter, you know, Doak Grimes moving forward, um, maybe over the summer, if Grimes is still here, but he, I mean, if, if he picks up and is playing well enough, um, you know, there's, there's still the possibility he might be a one and done type player, but, um, the way he's been playing so far, like, I, I mean, I think he's probably back next year Well, they might, they might change something over the summer, but I wouldn't expect anything. Like I wouldn't expect anything noticeable soon. So, all right. So before we get out of here for the night, just to go ahead and finish up, uh, taking a look at the games that we have coming up, obviously the TCU game is the game that's happening Wednesday on the ninth. Um, it is a home game. Um, TCU is a, has been a decent team. Uh, they are ranked 26 in, in the Ken Palm standings there. Uh, they are a 12 and one team. Uh, they won their first conference game. Uh, let's see, actually their, their conference opener was Saturday at home against Baylor. Uh, so they're only one to know in the conference, uh, but they have a, a pretty tough slate coming up. They play at Kansas at Oklahoma. They host West Virginia. They go to Kansas state. So I mean they have they have a, a tough stretch coming up. Um, Ken Palm only gives them a twenty six percent chance to win this game. I'm not really too worried about it in terms of what they do and who they have. Um, Alex Robinson, obviously the senior there, is kind of their their big name player. Um, Jalen Fisher is back after uh, having missed a good portion of last year. Uh, looks like he's actually missed a few games because of injury as well. Um, I hadn't seen anything. Oh, so he's been having some knee issues. That's right. That's right. Um, it may keep him out of this game potentially, but they're not really sure. Uh, so if he even plays, like if he plays, I think they will be a little bit more dangerous. Um, but him and then freshman Kevin Samuel are both having some injury issues right now. I'm not, and I don't think it really changes the outlook too much. What really this game really comes down to, I think, is how Kansas plays on offense. We already know that the Kansas defense is really, really good. Um, what really is questionable at this point is what is the Kansas offense going to be able to do? Are they going to be able to get their shots? Are they going to be able to make their shots? If they do, TCU doesn't stand a chance. If they don't, TCU will hang around. Kansas might be able to win um, even if they're not playing their best. So we'll have to just kind of see how that works out. TC is a pretty balanced team. Um, they have the 30th ranked offense and the 38th ranked defense. Um, Kansas is still one of the better defensive teams. They have, they have the eighth ranked eighth ranked defense and the 25th ranked offense. So they're definitely a better team in all aspects of the game as it stands right now. Um, some things to kind of keep an eye on. TCU, let's see, they have a really good three point defense, but again, it's not really a lot you can really think. Uh, like uh, you know, we've we've examined time after time that the actual three point three point shooting of a of a team is probably the most independent of anything that the defense does as, as anything in, in in basketball. So, um, you know, I don't know that that's anything super good about their defense. Um, it's more or less a component of luck at that point. Um, but they are a very good two point shooting team. Uh, they make 58.4% of their shots from uh, from inside the arc. 
They also are really good at forcing turnovers. Um, so that's something to watch out for even better than, than Iowa state. Um, so this is definitely going to be one where ball security is really, really important. We can't have the same kind of problems that we did. And actually they're, they're basically on par with Iowa state. Um, so, um, no, I'm sorry. I take that back. They're, they don't give up very many turnovers is what it is. Um, and so neither neither did Iowa State. Um, so Kansas is going to have to really work to get the kind of turnovers I think that they need to, to really put this game away early. So um, I ultimately my prediction, I'll have that up on the, uh, the Rock Chalk Talk site. Um, but just kind of a few things to look forward to. I'm not really too worried about this game. I'll get you guys an actual score prediction a little bit later this week. So, But with that, that is uh, the end of what we have for you today. Thank you guys for listening. Just kind of upcoming, the men are not the only ones in action. Uh, also on Wednesday, the KU women will actually be on the road. Uh, they travel to, I believe it's to Texas Tech that evening. Uh, yes, they are at Texas Tech at 7 p.m. on the Jayhawk Radio Network, uh, whereas TCU comes to Kansas at 8 p.m. on ESPN2. So uh, you can catch the women's game on the radio and listen to the second half of that while the men's game is starting. Uh, also coming up later this week, um, on Friday, the swimming and diving team are um, in Flagstaff, Arizona at the Wall Aquatic Center. There's a meet, uh, let's see, it's at North Arizona and North Colorado. The tennis team starting on Friday is down in Orlando, Florida for the Orlando Invitational. Um, and that continues throughout the week. Saturday, obviously, the men play at Baylor. Sunday, the women play at Kansas State. So there's a lot of action going on the rest of this week. Make sure you guys do catch all of that. We will be back with another episode at the end of the week. Probably it will drop on Friday um, to, to recap the TCU game if there's anything important to talk about. And then also to... Uh, preview the Baylor game. So um, that game we will probably also, or that that episode, we will probably also give a light preview of the Monday night game uh, because, again, coming up on Monday night, uh, Kansas hosts the first big Monday of the season. Uh, they are hosting Texas. So that'll be a big game um, for them. We'll have a little bit of preview, I think, on that Friday episode because uh, I doubt we'll be able to get another episode in before that one. So... But again, if, if, if you guys haven't already, please do find us on iTunes, rate, subscribe, you know, um, five stars, nice comments, all that great stuff. It really does help to get the, the podcast out there. Um, we are looking at some potential changes to the podcast coming up soon. Once I have more details for you guys, I'll let you know. Um, but there's a few things that are kind of in the works that I'm hoping will get the podcast out there a little bit more, make it a little bit visible, um, kind of get more engagement and maybe even potentially... Um, get some new voices on the, on the podcast or, or um, at least bring some new guys available for us to talk to, to give more perspectives and, and to you know, give you more of what the fans think about these games. So um, if you haven't already, or if, if, if you want to contact us, uh, we are on Twitter at rock chalk pod. We are, you, you can email us at rock chalk or I'm sorry, rock chalk podcast at gmail.com. All that fun stuff. Um, we do want to get your thoughts, your comments, your suggestions for what you want to talk about, all that fun stuff. So please do reach out to us, and we'd be happy to get you on the podcast. So um, whether it's reading your question out loud and answering it, or you know, even if you wanted to come on for a brief segment, we, we'd love to hear from other fans. Uh, you know, This is a podcast by the fans, 
for the fans to get the fan voice out there. So if you have something that you want to, to give to, uh, you know, to contribute to the podcast, we would be more than happy to go ahead and, and find a way to utilize that. So, um, again, thank you guys for listening. We will be back with you later in the week, and we will catch you next time on the Rock Talk Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.